Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. Season 7 of this podcast focuses on two sexual assault trials, the trials of Harvey Weinstein and Danny Masterson, that are currently taking place at the same time on the same floor of the Clara Shortridge Falls Criminal Courts Building in downtown Los Angeles. Two times per week, on Mondays and Thursdays, you will hear new episodes with reports from journalists who are in the courtrooms as these trials are happening. On Monday, we began the season with our correspondents Molly Miller and Brittany Bookbinder offering detailed breakdowns of the charges faced by each of the defendants. On today's episode, Molly and Brittany offer overviews of each defendant's journey to trial, as well as the jury selection process in each case. We follow that with a conversation with both reporters about the status of both trials. That's all coming up right after the break. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We begin today's installment with Molly Miller and her examination of the journey to trial and jury selection in Los Angeles for Harvey Weinstein. Opening statements for Harvey Weinstein's trial began on Monday, October 24th. We'll cover those proceedings in our next episode, but today I'm going to lay out a basic timeline of Weinstein's legal proceedings up to this point, starting with the charges filed against him in New York. After explosive reporting by the New York Times and the New Yorker regarding Weinstein's alleged sexual abuse, the one-time Hollywood mogul was indicted on May 25, 2018, on charges of rape and a criminal sexual act. He surrendered himself at the first precinct station of Lower Manhattan and was released on $1 million bail. In July of 2018, prosecutors added charges to Weinstein's indictment, including predatory sexual assault, which carried a maximum penalty of life in prison. He pleaded not guilty to all charges. Weinstein's then-lawyer, Benjamin Braffman, told reporters that his client may have engaged in bad behavior, but asserted that Weinstein had not committed any crimes. Braffman later withdrew from the case in 2019, which delayed the trial. He was replaced by a team of defense attorneys led by Donna Rotuno, an aggressive litigator from Chicago who had made a career defending men accused of sex crimes. At a pretrial news conference, she argued that Weinstein had been railroaded by the Me Too movement, which destroyed his reputation and chances of an impartial jury. The trial in New York began on January 6, 2020. Reporters lined up outside the court as early as 5 a.m., and crowds gathered, chanting and holding signs in support of Weinstein's accusers. The first day's proceedings were made even more remarkable when the Los Angeles District Attorney announced a new case against Weinstein just hours after he entered the courtroom in New York. In L.A., the charges included rape and sexual assault. 
Weinstein's New York trial revolved around the testimony of two primary accusers who were publicly identified as Jessica Mann and Miriam Haley. Mann was an aspiring actress who accused Weinstein of raping her in a Manhattan hotel in 2013. On cross-examination, she acknowledged that the alleged assault occurred during an ongoing relationship with Weinstein, which included some instances of consensual sex. Weinstein's other complainant in the case, Miriam Haley, was a former assistant on Project Runway, which was produced by Weinstein. She testified that the defendant forced oral sex on her in his Tribeca apartment in 2006. In addition to Mann and Haley, four other women testified that the producer sexually abused them, including Sopranos actress Annabella Sciorra, who told the jury that Weinstein raped her after a dinner party in the early 90s. While her allegation fell outside the statute of limitations, it was permitted because her statements could support the charges of predatory sexual assault, which required the prosecutors to prove that Weinstein committed sexual felonies against at least two people. The trial lasted for six grueling weeks, after which the jurors deliberated for five days before they reached a verdict. On February 24, 2020, the jury found Harvey Weinstein guilty of criminal sexual assault in the first degree and rape in the third degree. He was found not guilty of the two counts of predatory sexual assault. As a result of the conviction, Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison. While Weinstein's trial in New York had come to a close, he still faced the charges filed in Los Angeles. In July of 2021, Weinstein was extradited from New York to Los Angeles, where he was indicted on 11 counts of sexual assault, involving five alleged victims. Weinstein pleaded not guilty to all charges, and his new attorney, Mark Worksman, prepared for a jury trial. The stakes of Weinstein's trial in Los Angeles increased in August of 2022, when Weinstein was granted an appeal for his conviction in New York, which opened up the possibility that his conviction may be overturned. In a statement through his spokesman, Weinstein told the press, quote, I am so grateful to my attorneys for working hard and smart on this. Their hard work will help me prove my innocence in the end, end quote. If Weinstein's conviction is overturned by the New York Court of Appeals, then his future will depend on the outcome of his trial in Los Angeles. Jury selection for the LA trial began on October 11, 2022, and ended roughly two weeks later with a seated panel of nine men and three women, in addition to eight alternates. The majority of the jurors appear to be between 40 and 70 years old. Jury questionnaires are currently under seal, and the occupations of the jurors were not stated for the public record. But here's what we learned about the selected jurors during voir dire. When the prosecution asked the jurors if they knew what Me Too meant, Juror 34 raised his hand and said, quote, It's a movement for recognition of victimized women, end quote. Juror 8 was on the fence about the Me Too movement. She stated, quote, I believe most women, but not necessarily all, end quote. Juror number 23 told the deputy district attorneys that she had no opinions on the Me Too movement. In response to questions from the defense about his ability to be impartial, 
Juror 9 stated that his daughter was an attorney and, quote, I have a great deal of respect for both sides of the table and our system of justice, end quote. Juror 62 was asked if he was worried about getting grief from family, friends, or co-workers if he had to return a not guilty verdict. He said it didn't worry him. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And now with a breakdown of the journey to trial and jury selection for Danny Masterson, here is Brittany Bookbinder. In the case of Danny Masterson, the path from indictment to trial has been long and at times bumpy, owing both to the pandemic delay and the efforts by Masterson's defense team to derail the proceedings. One thing that has remained consistent since the start of the DA's investigation into the rape allegations is Masterson's insistence that the claims against him are baseless. Long before charges were filed, in March of 2017, Masterson put out a statement denying any wrongdoing on his part. That May, he hired famed criminal defense attorney Tom Mesereau to represent him. Mesereau is known for representing high-profile clients, most notably Michael Jackson. By early 2018, the Special Circumstances Committee within the DA's office had approved charging Masterson, but it would take then-District Attorney Jackie Lacey almost another year and a half to approve the charges. In that time, several key things happened. In December of 2019, two new victims spoke with the LAPD about allegations of sexual assault. Neither of these alleged victims were Scientologists. In February of 2020, a seventh victim came forward to the LAPD. Meanwhile, in August of 2019, four women, including Jane Doe's 1, 2, and 3 in this case, as well as Jane Doe 3's husband, filed a civil suit against Masterson, Scientology leader David Miscavige, and the Church of Scientology. As we said in our last episode, the suit alleged that the church took extreme measures, including stalking, the invasion of privacy, and the intentional infliction of emotional distress to silence Masterson's alleged victims. Later that same month, the series finale of Leah Remini's docuseries on Scientology aired. In that episode, titled Waiting for Justice, two of the complainants in that lawsuit, including one of the Jane Doe's in the criminal case, told their stories, including their allegations, to a national audience. In June of 2020, charges were filed against Masterson. He was arrested on June 17th. Less than three hours later, he was released on $3.3 million bail. He retained his defense attorney, Tom Mesereau, and hired another attorney, Sharon Applebaum. Before Masterson made an official plea, his team filed a demurrer, arguing that too much time had elapsed since the alleged incidents of assault. However, as we said in our last episode, under the court's interpretation of California's one-strike law, the statute of limitations was deemed not to apply in this case. In September of 2020, Masterson was arraigned. He pleaded not guilty. At this point, and throughout the four-day preliminary hearing the following May, it seemed that the defense team's strategy was to preserve the image of Scientology just as much as it was to defend Masterson. 
At one point during the preliminary hearing, Mesereau questioned Jane Doe III about a passage from a Scientology text titled Introduction to Scientology Ethics, a move that might have been prompted by Scientology attorney Vicki Podboreski, who was present in court that day. Mesereau was able to elicit from Jane Doe III that there was nothing in that passage about a Scientology policy preventing victims from reporting to police. Later in the hearing, however, Deputy DA Reinhold Mueller showed Jane Doe III a different chapter that prohibits the reporting of a Scientologist to civil authorities. In February of 2022, two attorneys for the Church of Scientology, William Foreman and Vicki Podboreski, joined Masterson's attorneys at the defense table. Foreman had submitted an amicus brief expressing concern that Judge Olmedo had agreed with the prosecution that the book instructs Scientologists to not report crimes to law enforcement. He asked Judge Ronald S. Cohen to overturn Judge Olmedo's finding. Cohen denied the amicus brief and then denied the motion to dismiss, filed by Mesereau and Applebaum. In May of 2022, Mesereau and Applebaum again sought a dismissal. This time, they filed a motion to dismiss Jane Doe 1's count due to prosecutorial delay. They also filed another motion to sever Jane Doe 2's case from Jane Doe 3. Judge Almeida ultimately denied both motions, but the defense succeeded in getting a trial delay when, in late May, Mesereau and Applebaum were relieved as counsel and replaced by two new attorneys, Sean Holly, who was a member of O.J. Simpson's dream team, and Philip Cohen. At that point, the trial was delayed until October. Sean Holly attempted to get another delay until January of 2023, as she was busy with arbitration on another case, but Almeida denied that request. Since then, Philip Cohen has taken the lead on Masterson's defense. Okay, joining me now for a discussion of their trial reports are jury duty correspondents Molly Miller and Brittany Bookbinder. Molly, Brittany, welcome back. Thanks, Carrie. Glad to be back. Great to be here. Molly, let me start with you. You mentioned that earlier this year, the New York Supreme Court allowed Harvey Weinstein to file an appeal of his conviction. And I gather that this decision came after a lower appeals court denied that appeal and upheld the conviction. I also understand that the Supreme Court didn't issue any sort of an opinion in their decision, but do we know the basis of the Weinstein appeal in the New York courts? So Weinstein's legal team in New York appealed his conviction based on two primary arguments. First, they argued that the trial judge, James Burke, allowed too many witnesses for the prosecution who did not directly relate to Weinstein's sexual assault charges. And second, they argued that the judge should have actually removed one of the jurors because she was writing a book that tackled themes of sex and predatory older men. So at this point, it's unclear, as you said, why exactly the appeal was granted or which of those arguments was persuasive. All we know is that the chief judge of the New York Court of Appeals decided there was a question of law that needed to be addressed by the panel. So now oral arguments will be heard by the court likely in late spring of 2023. Brittany, do we have any information about why Danny Masterson changed lawyers in the trial only a few months ago? We have some information, but not definitively. According to Tony Ortega's reporting in the underground bunker, there might have been a couple different reasons for this change. First, and more cynically, changing attorneys in the months leading up to the trial is apparently a classic delay tactic to buy more time. Alternatively, it could have been because Mesereau introduced the Scientology text in the prelim, and Masterson was unhappy with that move because it backfired. Now, Cohen and Hawley had been in the mix for a while and were even making arguments for the defense before they officially replaced Mesereau's original team, but apparently someone tipped off Tony Ortega that Mesereau was seen in the hallway having a 
jovial conversation with Masterson after the switch. So it's possible that there's no beef between them and it was merely just a tactic to buy time. Molly, what are a few of the key things that stuck out to you about the jury selection process and the final motions arguments leading up to Monday's opening statements? So I think that really one of the most notable things that keeps coming up over and over again in jury selection has been how much the Me Too movement played a role in voir dire. Brittany and I talked about this earlier in the week. It's quite striking. Jurors were asked if they knew what the movement was. Several said they were unfamiliar or didn't have any opinions about it, and some were on the fence, but others had very strong negative opinions about the movement. So one said on his questionnaire, quote, the Me Too movement is pointless and fraudulent, end quote. One stated that he worked in a place where people lie to gain advantage using Me Too. So ultimately, neither of those individuals were selected as jurors. But those statements made me acutely aware of the fact that it has been about five years since the Me Too movement kicked off in Hollywood, although we all know it started long before that. And I think it is really tempting to see this trial as a yardstick for the endurance of the Me Too movement. But I have to keep continually reminding myself that, you know, a movement is measured by far more elements than the binary outcome of a trial. So with respect to the motions in limine, there is one worth mentioning. It is regarding the defense's expert on memory. They wanted to call her in order to testify about how consensual sex can later be remembered or reinterpreted as assault. So the prosecution argued that this expert witness the defense wanted to call wasn't qualified to testify in regard to that subject matter. And when the judge reviewed her CV, she was ultimately a bit skeptical about the woman's credentials. So this potential expert witness will have to be questioned before the judge, before the judge rules on whether or not her testimony is admissible. But what makes this interesting and notable is that it shows one line of argument that the defense intends to use, which is that perhaps Weinstein's accusers had consensual sex, maybe even bad consensual sex with the defendant, but that they are now reinterpreting those memories as assault. And Brittany, the Masterson trial has already had opening statements as well as almost a week's worth of testimony. And I know you'll give us a more comprehensive recap of the week on our next episode, but I wonder if you could point out a few of the highlights of this past week. Absolutely. So after opening statements, the prosecution has called one witness so far, and that's Jane Doe 1. She was on the stand for nearly three days. Deputy District Attorney Reinhold Mueller walked her through the events of the two incidents on direct examination. One of those incidents is not part of the charge in this case, and she is not referring to that incident as an assault, although it certainly didn't sound like a pleasant experience from the way she described it. The other incident is the charge in in this case. On cross-examination, Cohen tried to poke holes in her story mainly by noting that her story changed between the initial LAPD officer report and then subsequently with detectives and also the DA's office. Now, in some cases, it sounds like the inconsistencies are due to a Scientology official telling her what she could and couldn't say in a report. And in other cases, it sounds like what she remembered or what stuck with her changed over time, which is something I think we can get into in a future episode. So far, 
one thing that seems particularly problematic for the prosecution is a photograph taken of Jane Doe 1 about five days after the alleged assault that was entered into evidence. So she testified in the days that followed the incident, she developed severe bruising all over her body. And on direct examination, Mueller had her point out where the bruising was in that photograph. But sitting in the gallery, it was not immediately visible. And of course, Cohen had a field day with that on cross-examination. And just one other thing to note, to follow up on something I mentioned last time, Cohen brought up that the prosecution was heavily implying that Masterson had drugged the women, but that there isn't any evidence of that. He's asked the court to delineate what the prosecution can and cannot ask about when Jane Doe 2 and Jane Doe 3 take the stand. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, Molly, Brittany, thanks again for these reports, and we look forward to your continued coverage of these trials. Thanks, Carrie. See you next time. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trials of Weinstein and Masterson. Join us on our next installment as we hear from Molly and Brittany about the opening statements and first witnesses in both of these sexual assault trials. Also, if you want to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about these trials on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at CrimeStory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was reported and written by Molly Miller and Brittany Bookbinder. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trials of Weinstein and Masterson.